Okay, welcome back to Untranslated Islam, where we set out on journeys to excavate gems and benefits for you and I to apply to our lives to have a better and more successful life to get through to our akhirah. All right, this is your brother, Ben Yusuf, and we're going to continue on with what we were talking about in our last sitting. This is episode nine. This is episode eight, okay? And... um. We're going to continue on what we talk started talking about. And this is going to be an ongoing thing with me. Like I said, my key thing is that I need my people to love and to feel. I know they love it to feel the Quran, because the more you feel it, the more you're going to love it. And so I'm sending out on a journey. And this is going to be probably one of my most uh, uh, personal journeys to have you guys feel what I was taught to feel. And that's. Even your smallest portion of Quran, if you do it with deep contemplation, you'll be surprised what you can do. I've watched this work, okay? I've watched people that to this day, they only have the short surahs and the fatiha, and they are up for hours. I'm telling you why I watched it because it's people in my family, people who are older, some people who don't have Quran well because they're business people. And I'm telling you, they're up for hour and a half. And it's like, how are you doing that? And they started out with just their short source, and then they start to open up the Quran and just be reading little two or three, uh, I, uh, two or three verses at a time, and just contemplating them, reading them over and over again. Which I'm going to explain to you all is from the Sunnah of the Prophet and his companions. So let's get back into this, okay? So in the last set, in the last sitting, we talked about uh, the the Al Fatiha, which we all know already we talked about how strong this is okay we talked about a situation where there was a, a sahaba or a companion and he cured someone only by reciting the fatiha on him and nobody had ever taught him to do it he had never done it before and so they went back if he got a gift of 30 of 30 uh, uh sheep he went back they went back to the prophet and they asked him is this okay and he said to them how'd you know that that was the the, the how did you know that that was a cure and he said give me some too to let y'all know that what you did was excellent okay so then we asked ourselves and i'm asking you this again what made his quran different than our quran what made him be that one? In Ibn al-Qayyim in al-Jawzi's book, in the beginning of that book, and it was amazing when I read this, I was in class with Sheikh, uh, with Sheikh Rislan, as a matter of fact. Uh, for those who know, you guys know, some of you guys know Sheikh, Sheikh Rislan. Some people love him, some people don't necessarily care for him, but I was up there for a period of time. Uh, I was up there with Abu Maryam, for those who know Abu Maryam, and uh he would have these long, this was before all of the stuff that happened that happened in Egypt. Once all the stuff happened in Egypt, everything changed. But before that, he would just give classes. And was, we found out he was somebody that gave classes from Asr to Isha. So we said, we got to move up there. And we got to get benefit from this. So we went up there and we just had to get benefit before all the stuff happened in Egypt. All of that, you know, uh, revolution stuff. He was just giving classes. And the point is, I was in his class at Dawat Dawat by uh, Ibn Al-Qayyim. And in the beginning of that book, um, he brought this statement from Ibn Al-Qayyim. I remember it sticking out my head where Ibn Al-Qayyim said, in order for a medicine to work, and remember Ibn Al-Qayyim was a medicine, was a, was a medical doctor. He was a spiritual heart doctor and he was a medical doctor. So he was the one who made the statement where he said that there's only, that no high or no area can be complete unless you have two types of medicine. You have to have the physical medicine and you have to have the spiritual medicine. If you have one without the other, then you'll have problems. But if you have both, you'll be okay. So he said in this situation, he said that there are three components in order for a medicine to work. It has to be the right giver of the medicine. It has to be the right receiver of the medicine. 
and it has to be the right medicine. Okay. So we see in this situation, it was the right receiver. It was someone that was in need and Allah allowed them to be cured. We see that it was the right giver or it was the right medicine. Al-Fatiha. So what was it about this giver that made everything work? It was his sincerity. Okay. He gave it and he gave it sincere. All right. So Allah will choose the most unexpected, un unexpected, regarding how they looked at him like, well, what's the situation? Allah will choose the most unassuming, most, you, you never expect the ones that he's going to choose and tap with his blessing. So that's why it was a narration that I heard in, in 2001 and it stuck with me. Because I said, I wonder if that's Sahih or not. And to this day, I can't, I can't tell you if it's Sahih or not. But I felt out that it's Sahih by my now because I lived it. And the statement was, is that Allahu Jalla was a man given a khutbah and he didn't uh, quote where he got the hadith from. And I had never heard of it. So I'm like, I don't know if that's Sahih or not. But it just stuck out to me. And for the next 10, 15 years of my life, I watched it be true. He said, Allahu Jalla takes his awliya. He takes his friends, his protector, you know, his, 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 the, the, the ones that have high level with him. And he, they, he, they're common looking people and he mixes them with the regular people so that you have to treat everyone good because you, when you cross somebody, you, you never know who you're crossing. You might cross the most unassuming person. And that's the one that if you raise his eye, his hands and made dua and there was a drought, rain will come. And that happened during the time of the Prophet. Okay. And it happened in the time of Bani Israel. So my point is they looked at him unsuspecting or like, I mean, unass like he's unassuming, like they ain't even mention his name. But Allah says what? Allah said about the Prophet, kunta tarju and you'll call did that, that he said uh, did I translate? He said in the first ayah, he said, Allah knows best where to put his message. And the other place he said to the Prophet, and you were never wishing to get something like this. It was just the mercy from Allah upon you. And you know those people that want that and say, yeah, yeah, it's me because I'm the most righteous. Like they said, That's what the people of Quraysh were saying. Why wasn't it sit down on one of the big people from our tribes? And what happened during the time of Talut? He said, He said about Talut, when Allah, cho Allah chose Talut, as a Melik. And when Shimwil, when Samuel, speaking of which, Samuel is a prophet's name. Daniel is a prophet's name. John is a prophet's name. All those names that we grew up with, they're prophet's names. I know people don't know that. Daniel is a prophet's name. Shimwil, Samuel, or Sam is the name of the prophet that was during this time of Talut, right before Dawood became king, when he was a teenager and he went and slew, slew, slew Goliath. So anyway, in this situation, they said, we want a king. It's in Surah Al-Baqarah. And then Allah chooses for them the king. And Samuel, or Sam, the prophet Sam, Shimwil, or Ishmael, goes to uh, uh, to Bani Israel and said, Allah has chosen Talut as your king. And they start fussing. How we gonna be a king over us? And we're more, more deserving of being a king. And we got more money than him. So he had to put him in his place, put him in a place and say, Allah chose y'all, chose him over y'all. And he increased them in both physical strength and in knowledge. 
And then he had to, on top of that, because you know, Benny Israel is who they are. He had to send the ayah the, the of his mulk is that, and yet he had come with taboot. Is that, that he came with the taboot? They had to do all that. Why? Because this man was the most unassuming man in the dunya. So that's a piece of advice that I didn't even mean to, that I didn't even plan on saying, but it's so important. Be careful treating everyone well because you never know who amongst you might be from the awliya of Allah and you cross them and you get it. You cross them and you hurt them. And like the Prophet Sallallahu said to Abu Bakr himself, when he said something that was offensive about Bilal and Suhaib Rumi and, and, and Saman al-Fadisi and like that, he said something that they may have took it offensive. Or he didn't say he did something that may have, they may have been offended about because they were like the little group of poor people or whatever. And he was doing something and they might have been offended. And the Prophet Sallallahu said, be careful not to hurt or not to offend some of the people that that are that are in the law's pleasure because if you offend them then you upset them then Allah will be upset with you and he had to go back to him and said uh yeah oh yeah I forgot what it was but he said ah uh, did, did, did I upset y'all and they said oh, for Allah we're like no you didn't upset us everything was okay be careful who you offend let's get back all right so coming back to what we were saying so we had the three the three components to make this medicine work which was the proper patient, the proper doctor, or the proper giver of the medicine, and the proper medicine. So now with you, you have this same medicine in you already, okay? You are the proper patient. Now all you have to do is let your heart and tongue be the proper giver. It's all in you. All you have to do is know it. And I'm saying all this as prerequisites, okay? I'm saying all of this as prerequisites. I actually want to sit up some more, so should I? Like that? Okay. All right. So I'm saying all of this is prerequisites. So you pay attention because we're going to get into some of the things that's going to help you appreciate not just the Fatiha, but every ayat and every word from the Quran that you know. Okay. So for now, this this distance is okay? Or should I move up to? It's fine? Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Gotcha. All right. So let's continue on. So in this situation... Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Uh, and like I said, in the story of Dawood, story of Musa, the list goes on in this situation. Okay, so let's get into uh, the, power, the power of the Quran. All right? Allah Jalla says about the Quran in Surah Hijrah, Ayah 87. He said, telling the Prophet وسلم, how great it was what I gave you. He says, وَلَقَدْ أَتَيْنَاكَ سَبَعًا مِنَ الْمَثَانِي he said, and surely I've given you as the greatest gift. The seven off-repeated uh, verses, and the Mathani has different meanings or whatever, but they usually translate it, as you guys know, seven off-repeated verses. Now, isn't the Fatiha part of the Quran? Yes, it is. But, and isn't Quran, doesn't it mean literally, uh, uh, linguistically, something that's recited or read constantly and consistently? Yes. So why did he separate them? In Arabic, you have something where you'll have a general statement, but then to make sure you understand the importance of something, even though it's part of this, they'll take it out and they'll separate it. And then, you know, like this. So they'll take something out of the general, make it separate. So you see that this is important, even though it is part of that general. So Al-Fatiha is part of the Quran. So no one can say, oh, Al-Fatiha is not part of the Quran. It's the opening of the Quran, but he separated it to show you its importance. Regarding this, 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 this ayat, uh, uh, Ibn Kathir brings from Abu Huraira called, 
How much time have you been going? Good. So we got time. All right, I'm just going to do this one hadith and then we close out for this for this for this sitting. All right. So Ibn Kathir brings a statement from Abi from Ab, from Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. Where he said, "Kharaja Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam ala Ubay ibn Kaab." And Ubay ibn Kaab, you have to remember that name because that's one of the four or five people that all the all of the recitations of the Quran trace back to. All right, Ubay ibn Kaab is is the, a mountain of knowledge. When it comes to the Quran, so remember that name, Ubay ibn Ka'ab. Okay, all those different chains of all the different recitations, they're going to come back to one of five, and he's one of them. So, Abu Huraira said that the Prophet Sallallahu he came to Ubay ibn Ka'ab, and Ubay was, was making salah. Why he's making salah? He calls him up, he calls him and says, Ya Ubay. So the, the the nature, the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu just calls you. So he kind of turned, but he didn't answer. He did what Juraj did. We're going to get into the story of Juraj another time. He said, Ya Rabbi. He didn't say it, but Juraj said, Ya Rabbi. And Nabi Salati. Juraj said, Ya Rabbi. Ummi wa Salati. Okay, the point is, it's like, I'm praying to you, Allah. I know I'm supposed to answer this person, but... I think I got I got the excuse right. I'm praying to you, so he kept praying. Okay, <laughs> so Ubay didn't stop praying. He just shortened his prayer. Okay, so he could answer the prophet. Okay, Then he finished the prayer and he went إلى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال السلام عليكم يا رسول الله he went to the prophet and said السلام عليكم O Messenger of Allah فقال وعليك السلام then he said ما منعك يا أبي he says أي أبي you can say أي like that أي أبي okay he says أي but each time I see أي I'm thinking I should say yeah yeah but it's أي I know it's أي in other situations but I didn't need to use that as حرف النداء okay so ما منعك أي أبي إذ دعوتك and uh, and and to Jibani, he said, "What prevented you when I called you to to, to not answer me?" Uh, Ubay said, "Ay Rasulullah, Ay Rasulullah, kuntu fi salah. I was in salah. I was like, salah is nobody else. So I pray to Allah, okay." And then the Prophet Sallallahu said, "Awa lasta tajidu fi ma awha Allahu ilayya." استجيبوا لله وللرسول إذا دعاكم لما يحييكم سورة أنفال yes سورة أنفال he said did you not hear from the things that Allah has revealed to you revealed to me that he says and answer the call of Allah and his messenger because all they call you to is that which will give you life all right okay all right okay all right so I'll say again he said did not you hear the ayah Oh, where Allah says, O oh, you who believe, answer the call of Allah and of his messenger. Answer or respond to their call because all they do is call you to that which will give you life. So let's stop here just for a split second. In the hadith of Juraj, we find out what this means. We can imagine that Ubay was making nawafil. He wasn't making obligatory salats because in, in, his, in the Qisah of Juraj, that's what it was. They say that the reason why he got in so much trouble was because he didn't answer his mother because he was praying, but he was praying nawafil. He wasn't praying obligatory salat. If he was praying obligatory, then he focused on Allah first. But we don't know in this situation because it's the messenger of Allah. He could have been praying his fard, 
But we imagine it's Nawafu because if it was, if it was Fard, most of the time they prayed to Fard with the Prophet So we don't know. But what we know from this is that when the Prophet was alive, it was incumbent to answer him, even if he was praying, because everything that he does is connected to Allah. Okay? It's not that you give him more than Allah. Is, no. Allah gave him that position that if he calls you, he might be calling you for something that's important. Then you can turn to him. But we don't know. Only it's ikhtilaf. We don't know if it was a obligatory prayer or a sunnah prayer. But we imagine it was a sunnah prayer because nothing is more important than Allah. All right. But we don't know. All right. So let's continue. Uh, but I'm saying that for a reason. And we'll get to Jirage. We'll deal with, deal with that another time, which is that if your mom call you, you got to answer. If your boss call you while you praying and you praying the waffle, you got to answer. Because if your boss call you while you're praying or at work, I mean, he has more right over you right then. So if you're only making the waffle, like making some extra rakats or whatever, you got to answer. Okay. So those, the wajib comes over the mustahab. Uh, what's obligatory comes over what's, what is, what is extra. All right. So anyway, he said, so he responded to the Prophet so he said, yes, I know that, I know that ayah, I just didn't know, I didn't know it was that serious, so I'll never do that again. I never do it again. Okay? And then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, And this is the shahid of this, this is the point of this hadith for, for us. Uh, he said, would you love that I tell you about a surah or a chapter from the Quran that in the Torah of the Jews, in the Injil of Jesus, uh, in the Torah of Musa, Moses, the Injil of Jesus, the Zabur of Dawood, and the Furqan. The Furqan is the Quran, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I just thought about that. He's referring to even the Quran. So he said, there's nothing in any of them that's similar to it, which will make sense. That's why Ibn Qayyim said that it's as if the whole Quran is put there to explain the Fatiha. And all the Fatiha is put there to explain So anyway, he said, should I, tell, should I not tell you of this amazing chapter? I said, Nam, for sure. Nam, Rasulullah. Yeah, for, yes, for sure, O Messenger of Allah. Call Call Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inni He said, I hope that we will not that, that I won't go out of this this area until you know what it is. <laughs> he said, So then Rasulullah took me by my hand to Hadithani and he started talking to me about other stuff. <laughs> so I'm like taking his hand and I'm literally pulling his hand back to slow him up a little bit because I don't want him to get to the door before he tell me about this. So it was like he's teasing him. He said, I hope that I'll tell you before I leave out the door. Then he take his hand and said, let's start walking to the door. And he started walking and say, start talking about the thing. So what about such and so? So how is such and so? And he said, I'm literally at the bottom, like holding him, like slowing him up. Like, yo, I want to know this. You asked me about this other stuff. I'm too embarrassed. I'm too respectful to say, yeah, so Allah, just tell me. So he's just trying to wait and hold on. Uh, he said, so he said, So I'm holding him, trying to slow him up a little bit. I'm scared that we're going to get to the door before you tell me about the hadith. Uh, sorry, that stuff be funny sometimes. Kultu. He said, so when I got to, when we got to the door, I just had to ask him straight. I said, Hey, Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah. 
Uh, what, what, what's the sura that you promised you was going to tell me? Uh, what do you recite in salah? Call, I said, uh, so I recited to him Al Fatiha. Okay, uh, this is what Ubay said. He said, I recite. He said, The Prophet asked him, What do you recite in Salah? He said, So he started reciting. And this was important about Ubay because Ubay would recite to on the Prophet. So I tell him to make sure it was right. He said, I recited to him Al Fatiha. Okay, and then the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam stopped him and said, Wallavi nafsi biyadi. I swear by the one who my soul is in his hands. Ma anzalallahu fit tawrah, wala fil injil, wala fil zabur, wala fil furqan mithlaha, illaha sabah sabah ul mathani. All right, he said, I swear by the one who my soul is in his hands. There wasn't anything sent in the Torah of, the, of Moses, nor in the Injil of Jesus, nor in the Zabur of, da- of David, nor in the Furqan, this Quran. There's nothing that's ever been sent down like that was similar to that or that's on this level. And this is the Sabah, the Sabah al Mathani. All right. We're going to close right here, I believe. That's 20 minutes, most likely, right? Okay. So we're going to close right here and we're going to continue on the next one. But that's what you got in your chest. Did you hear that? That's what you got in your chest. If you understood the power of every word in Al-Fatiha, I swear to you, you will cry every time you want to cry by reciting it. Every time you want to. We're going to get into it. I'll see you next time. As-salamu alaykum. <laughs> فَمَنِ الَّذِي يَدْعُوهَا يَا 